0: The PA Supreme Court is accepting mail-in ballots three days after Election Day. And does the Google antitrust lawsuit mean the same thing's going to happen in real estate? We'll talk about it all next on Tool Time. I'm Tom Tool. She is Stephanie Coho. We are back on Tool Time, and we've got some I mean, this first story is just wild to me. I don't even know what to say. So um, an article came out and news came out that the PA Supreme Court two days ago is going to permit Pennsylvania to count mail-in ballots received three days after the election. What do you think about all this?
1: I just don't understand how that's gonna happen. I mean, they announce who wins that night. So, I mean, even if they do count them, like what happens next?
0: Well, and, and so the like the Pennsylvania is a swing state, right? Like this is like a big like Pennsylvania really hasn't been like this until the last election or two, and it's going to be like people are saying if like in order for someone to win, they need to win Pennsylvania, like period. And the, the interesting thing is that the the decision was split four to four um, on the on the uh, Supreme Court case here um, on Monday, so it went back to the appellate ruling and. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court ruled last month that they're going to give a three-day extension. So what's to stop people from, hey, my candidate didn't win. I'm going to get everyone I know who voted and make sure they mail in their ballots right away. Like, what's going to happen there?
1: Well, I think it said it had to be postmarked by the third.
0: It does say that, yes. So
1: I guess they can't wait until after the election to then mail it in quickly. Good
0: point. But still...
1: But, yeah, but still, I don't know how that can... I mean, you can't... Are you going to say who the winner... Unless they're going to postpone in the country announcing the winner, I don't see how this makes a difference.
0: Yeah, and I, I just don't... It just doesn't make... I mean, 8, 8 o'clock on November 3rd, and what happens, too, is like as soon as the polls close, like they get data all day long. So there's still the ability to like stuff a bunch of mail-in ballots there, because elections are... used to work elections, which I want you to talk about. This is pretty interesting. But like, they're tracking data all day, so there's a lot of times when they see it's going one way or the other, they're going to, I mean, maybe there's like some crazy last minute Hail Mary to win an election, and look, I mean, there's corruption in these things. I don't care what anyone says. You've worked the polls in Delaware, so tell us a little bit about that experience, I think that's relevant here.
1: Yeah, I mean, really, all day people come in, they vote, um, and then at the end of the day, you're required to pull every machine, see. Who has, the, like, who has the most votes, and then you have to actually announce it right then and there and post it on every polling place location so everybody can go see if
0: they want. So do you feel like there's the opportunity for, like, corruption to happen at the polls?
1: Well, I know Delaware has gotten, like, a lot of really great feedback that they handle them well, so I don't know in every state how they're handled. But also, this is a really weird year. I mean, I haven't worked them this year, um, but it's a really weird year with, like, mail-in. Like, so many more people are doing mail-in ballots, so I don't really know how... I mean, I'm sh- I mean, I think whenever you're doing anything with paper, there is more of an ability. You know, you're relying more on humans to not make errors.
0: Well, look at the, the hanging chat election back in uh, 2000, where, I mean, they weren't counting votes because of that in the, in the Bush-Gore election. So I just don't, I don't understand how they, they're going to be able to determine who really wins. Like, we're not going to find out election night is probably what this means, because yeah. pencil, I mean, there's a lot of people that are voting by mail. So I just, I just don't, I don't see how we're going to find out right away. I think it's going to take some more time. Interesting stuff. I mean, this, I don't think it can get any weirder this year. Next thing you know, they're going to start letting, like, pets vote or something. So uh, we'll have to, you know, I, I think, and it's going to be a close race, so we'll just have to see how this plays out. But, I mean, la- the last election, the margin of victory was 1% in Pennsylvania. So those mail-in ballots are going to make a difference. Yeah. All right, real estate time. So Google's got this lawsuit about antitrusts and monopolies, and Brad Inman, who, if you don't know him, he, has the, he runs the website Inman. He runs Inman Connect. He's a big kind of like a real estate reporter, if you will, and like an influencer in, in a lot of ways. And um, on Tuesday, the U.S. Justice Department accused Google of illegally protecting its monopoly over search and search advertising. And I guess the big question here is in light of this NAR lawsuit about commissions and is there a monopoly in real estate, do you think the same thing's going to happen to the real estate industry? Like what, what's your what's your take on this stuff?
1: I mean, I personally don't don't think that, I mean, I, I see the points that they're making, but I do think that there's, I mean, so many different places to go for a real estate, a, a real estate agent, for real estate searches, for real estate advice. Um, so uh, to me, I, I think this is a bit of a stretch.
0: I agree. And I also think the lawsuit is BS. I've said that many times, um, where I, I think they're going with this, the people on, on, the, on the plaintiff side, like their intention is, well, hey, and we talked about this before the show, there are some agents that say, if you don't pay this, people won't, sh- won't show your home. And that may or may not be true. I'm not saying that's true or not. There is that conversation that goes on, which I'm sure happens. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't have the lawsuit in the first place. At the same time, there's companies like Rex, who doesn't even put their properties in the MLS. There's people like Redfin that they work off of like what they get paid per showing. Um, Zillow's hiring agents, they're salaried. So I don't I see those actions demonstrating there's not a monopoly in real estate like it's, not, it's and, and there's always been discount brokers and, and that sort of thing so i just wonder like how far is this going to go so i mean do you really think this lawsuit's going to have any legs here um after the the uh the motion to deny or dismiss the lawsuit got denied by a u.s district court judge um earlier in the month like well, i mean how do you how do you see this playing out in light of what's going on with google
1: well i mean i also i, I think eventually this Will go away. I think that there's, to your point, a lot of a lot of different options for sellers and for buyers out there. But I also think, you know, we were talking about that one podcast that I listened to. What's
0: the name of the podcast, by the way?
1: Um, it's Tim and Julie Harris. Okay. And um, and they have a real estate podcast, and they have kind of touched upon this before, and they've said, you know, it, it may come down to buyers' agents really having to have a tough conversation with their buyers as to why they should pay their commission, if you know, if this causes a big disruption.
0: Yeah. And th- I mean, that's a tough thing. And I mean, I've there have been some cases where buyers have paid the fee. I mean, a lot of times, like a for sale by owner, if you bring that to them, they'll, they'll be willing to pay the fee or maybe the for sale by owner isn't. Uh, you know, when, when I see, you know, Zillow doing what they're doing, when I see Redfin doing, I mean, G- Glenn Kelman, the CEO has been on a, on a on his soapbox, lost the word there for a second saying like, hey, I want to save people money. But at the same time, I don't know if all consumers want that. They want to make sure they're represented properly in the transaction and the Redfin model is they don't know anything and they just cut down fees which for maybe someone like you or me and we're moving to another state that could probably work because we know what we're doing right Right. but a lot of people have no idea I mean do you feel like the consumer really knows what they're getting into in these transactions
1: no I don't and I think um, I do think that there's a really uh, important role to have a seller's agent and a buyer's agent Um, but I also think that on on both sides, there are agents that work really hard and do a great job and some that maybe don't, right? So I think- um,
0: Any business is like that, by the way.
1: Yeah, so I think the best thing is just really to always make sure like if you're an agent and you work with buyers, I think it's really important for you to just always do a great job and really like do as much as you can, you know, so that way you're showing them what value you're bringing to the table.
0: Well, and a lot of times like are there sales that are easier than others? Absolutely, right? I mean, that that happens all the time. There's some sales that happen no matter, you know, the the agent, those people would have bought the house with another agent or with somebody else. Like, they, they they were going to buy that particular house, especially homes that are in, like, downtown boroughs and areas that are on, like, this certain street. Like, these buyers are looking there, so that's maybe a little bit of a different situation. At the same time, though, when something goes wrong, And that happens a lot I mean I remember that that sale you had last year where it was the issue of the um, like the estate not being probated it was in Westchester here and how long did that go on for I mean they really needed some guidance in that and did did your buyers expect that probably not (laughs) so you know it's it's easy to say this and when things go wrong that's where it gets really challenging so uh, I I don't agree that there's a lot of monopolies lurking in the real estate industry in fact there's so many disruptors right now to me it's the exact opposite I mean so I, I I hear what Brad's saying and he, he was more asking the question and I thought it was relevant because Google is, I mean we always say googles I say this at least, google Zillow is the Google of real estate, right? So there is that, but there's also a lot of other options, options besides Zillow that we have to look at. Yeah, for sure. I'm glad we agree. This is a good one to agree on, Steph, especially given what we do for a living. So, all right, Steph got a quote here. I like this quote. It comes from David Goggins who um, I haven't met but I've seen speak very intense he went through uh navy seal uh training three times i believe um so great guy to follow just google him like we just you know we just talked about google it'll probably a lot easier (laughs) so we all need small sparks small accomplishments in our lives to fuel the big ones because it's the small sparks which start small fires they eventually build enough heat to burn the whole effing forest down what do you think about all this
1: Um, I think this is really important and also really relevant, um, especially, you know, kind of in in our line of work, right? Like it's kind of, we were just talking about this today, like it kind of slows down towards the end of the year. And um, some agents take a lot of time off. (laughs) So I think it's just important to know that every day the small accomplishment that you make is really to build your bigger goal. And I think you do see that eventually.
0: Well, a fire is a great analogy here. Have you ever did, like started a fire before, done like a campfire or anything? I mean,
1: I personally have not, but I've watched my Have history. you seen it happen? Okay.
0: <laughs> so I haven't done this in a long time, but you start off with like a piece of kindling. Usually it's like some like pocket lint or like some twine or something. You light that on fire and it lights right away, but then you got to put like some small sticks there to keep it going. And then you put a couple more and then eventually they get larger and larger and grow. And, you know, if you look at, you know, I mean, he... he David Goggins, I mean, he's done all kinds of like like marathons and races, and but that, that all starts somewhere small. And he was really overweight and was not in good shape. And basically, his whole thing was I had to start somewhere. And it was that he had something about fear that he talks about, where when you're afraid of something, he just does it over and over again until it's like, and his words would be like, F you, I'm not scared anymore. That's what yeah. he would say. Um, he's a little too explicit for, for Steph, apparently. But uh, <laughs> so... The, the the point is, it's like that da- It's like that daily, just one thing a day. Like we, we were talking about this today. Like, what's your what's your daily goal? What's your daily number? Tom Ferry talks about it all the time. So, I, I'm clear. This is a great comparison.
1: Yep.
0: Cool. That's all we got this week. <laughs> Thanks for watching, everybody. Take care.